Hello and welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. JJ and Jesse here for another episode of Gorilla Hockey. The Avalanche are 6-2. and two. Yep. Two straight shutouts in a row. We're going to get to that. But, Jesse, first I want to get to welcome back home. Thank you. You've been on every step of the way uh, for every road trip so far. Yep. I want to start with that. How has it been so far? How I mean, it's been kind of a, a heavy road travel schedule yep. here to start the season. So just as a bystander, a media member, how has it been for you going through all these trips yeah so it's a great question i'm glad to be back with you you and i were texting a bunch when i was gone it's it's as we're like getting going and everything here we're still figuring out how that works so it's ironing good out to be, some kinks still yeah. on the fly so it's good to be here physically with you jj um so i'll answer that kind of a little bit of a longer winded way because that's the only way i know how we got time um the first trip you were on blake came out and met me on a leg and then i did one of the legs by myself it was tiring because away from home for eight days but really it was it was good you know like uh i, I felt it was a good trip especially the abs had won some games uh the beginning of the season's always invigorating right right you know you and i had a good time out in la good cities warm weather stuff like that it was really good home for uh i think five days yeah not a, not even a week home for five days and then right out to long island and i'll be honest man the first part of that trip i was definitely struggling a bit i think just West coast to mountain time zone for just a couple days, mountain time zone out to East. Like that first travel day just really like it did. It messed with me like, like a, a fair bit. Um, got on track. And once I kind of settled in, cause it was, again, it was seven days. So once I kind of settled in out there, it was better. Um, but w what I will say, and I think you can empathize with this a bit because we did a lot of the travel on the, the Stanley cup run. And by the time that the travel came to an end, Everyone in the media was like, holy smokes, that just takes a real toll. Uh, I mean, dude, the last two days that I was in Buffalo, my, my brain felt like it was functioning like at 75%, you know, <laughs> like, like it was working. Like I was there, I was, you know, getting done what we need to get done, but like definitely not as mentally sharp. And I, I say that because I think that you saw that kind of translate to the the abs as well, where out on the road, it's, it's not the physical toll you know especially for them like we're only a few weeks into the season here but like that that does just like mentally grind you down and i i i was getting you know plenty of sleep <clears throat> plenty of sleep on most nights you know perfectly nice hotels nice hotels nice beds there's just no substitute for sleeping in your own bed like i woke up yesterday morning feeling more rested than i did at any point while i was gone and so um, it's all been really good. It's, it's good to, you know, get on the road and kind of just sink your teeth into the season. But I know that it took a, a mental sharpness toll on me. And I think that you kind of saw that translate into what we watched on the ice. So you saw through exactly what I was trying to set up for you there. And that's Perfect. exactly <laughs> my thought. Let's get into those two shutouts a little bit because you saw the Avalanche start six and oh, yep. of course, those, I would say the Blackhawks win expected i wouldn't you know sharks. say that that was an amazing win the sharks win they had to really grind that out but all of a sudden once they hit that pittsburgh game it was a completely different team mm -hmm. and that's the only thing i could really draw a conclusion to was like man this early road heavy schedule might be starting to weigh on them a little bit yeah and and none of them at any point used the road as an excuse or said hey we've been away from home a lot but I, ryan johansson after the Buffalo game, he I mean, he said a couple times, and you could definitely tell in his sentiment, he was like, let's get home. 
let's get home and, and, you know, get some nights in our own bed here. And again, I, I don't, and Jared Bednar told us yesterday, I'm not trying to use the road as an excuse. And I don't think they are, they didn't play well, you know, in those last couple of games, but I mean, like you just won't convince me that on, on the real human side of things like, yeah, it just yeah. mentally wears you down a bit. And, and here's the one other thing that I feel is interesting. And I'll pause. Cause maybe this is where you were going. Like Jared Bednar did point out, look, a lot of the things that we didn't do well against Pittsburgh and Buffalo, we hadn't been doing well. Like, even in those six wins, there was a lot of stuff we needed to clean up. And that's where I do just think the mental side of the mental sharpness side came into it. Because in those six games that they won, they they struggled in certain areas, but they were able to overcome that mm-hmm. and get the play cleaned up for, you know, a long enough stretch late in the game to overcome that. And you could just tell that that like before those games were even over you could tell it that was that they were going that way you know yeah no that's definitely an interesting point because you're right they we heard it a hundred times from the during that win streak there's still things we got to clean up I still think we can play better they still weren't super elated on the way they had played any game so I guess a couple losses are to be expected can be excused I'm going to go ahead and use the road trip as an excuse for them but at the same time last time you and I were here Jesse doing our our uh show I brought up the point of maybe there's a little more to be seen from the goal scoring, right? And after two mm-hmm. back-to-back shutouts, I want to dive into that a little bit yep. because, yes, there are things that they had to clean up, things that they wanted to get better at, but scoring zero goals in 120 minutes of hockey, I think, is a huge red flag. Yeah. No. So, you know, dude, again, the last time we were talking about it, you were saying I'm concerned about the depth, and I said I'm not worried about it yet. There's been a couple games where they have needed some additional scoring, and they've gotten it when needed. You know, mm-hmm. Ryan Johansson. And, and again, I, I want to put this caveat on everything that we're about to say. We asked Jack Johnson yesterday. You asked Jack Johnson yesterday. These two wins are right back-to-back to each other, and it feels really gross. Like, mm-hmm. it feels bad. It's two losses. You're 6-2. and two, You're eight games into the season. So, like, I, I don't want to do the over-analysis of – these two games everything's falling apart right right yeah, right sure. um but but you know you you through those first six games in my opinion you had gotten the depth scoring when you needed the depth scoring you know on the nights where you needed a little bit of that goal support whether it came special teams or whatever you were getting it logan o'connor uh arturi lekanen uh ryan johansson you know like it, it, it was it was coming it was fine when you needed it to your point didn't these last two games you're now going into tonight with every passing minute, there's going to be people tweeting this many minutes since their last goal, <laughs> this many minutes since their last goal. Um, so you do, you, you know, you, you need not just your top guys. I, I think the top guys are going to be fired up for tonight. Like I think McKinnon is pissed. Um, and and I, so I think they're going to be going, but like you do want to see, Hey, you just went through a bad goal scoring drought. Go kind of send a message uh, you know, in this game against St. Louis tonight, you and I got to head to morning skate in about an hour. Um, but yeah, just just get the goal scoring feels back going, and and give your goaltender some goal support. We I'm sure we'll get into that. I have a feeling we're going to see not Alexander Georgiev tonight, but um, yeah. So that, that that's just I kind of brushed it off last time, saying ah they were getting it when they needed it. To your point, now gone two games. You need it. You need someone else to step up now. Yeah, and just uh, need multiple guys to step up. Got to figure out how to stop being snake bitten and how to stop being snake bitten for extended periods of time, right? Mm-hmm. I think 
credit to the teams they're playing. You brought up last time. You're going to get a good game out of a Scoot lot of your opponents. a little bit closer opponents. to me so that you're not working your way out of the frame here. Sorry, I just sorry. want everyone to be able to see how good looking you are. I think are. This, this couch is a little Yeah, slanted, I was going to say. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just sliding. watching you. Like, yeah, you're like groceries. <laughs> you're just slowly moving that direction. Uh, but what I was going to say is you're seeing uh, some mediocre goalies look yeah. stellar. Against Colorado, yeah, and I yeah, think they yeah. really got to put an end to that. I mean, Mackenzie Blackwood, not not mm. not amazing. Tristan Jari, not amazing. Uka Pekalukanen, always fun to say, but yeah. not an amazing goaltender. So um, it, th- th- there's a there's a level to the goal scoring that oh. needs to be elevated to expectations. Now, I will say though, in terms of the goaltending, like I do think there is a bit of this that this is going to be part of like the discovery phase for this Avalanche team is. All, all three of those goaltenders that you just listed were pl- like they were coming to that game playing pretty desperate. Mackenzie Blackwood, it's his first start with the San Jose Sharks, playing against a very good Avalanche team that he knows. If I'm not great, we're gonna get run out of the building, and I feel like that was pretty true. If he hadn't played mm-hmm. the way he did, that sure. would have been ugly. Yeah. Tristan Jari, I mean, he has not had a strong start to the season. That was a game where it's like I, I need to have this game. Or like I'm in trouble for the team as a whole, not right, even just Tristan right. Jari, right? And, and and then the Buffalo Sabers, Uko Pekalukanen came in halfway through the game, two nights before against New Jersey, and I mean did not look good. Really struggled. They've got some injury problems, so he was kind of in to show. He, and again, I'm with you. The Abs need to find a way to solve these goalies. Those aren't three world beater names I just listed, but you and I say it all the time. We're not here to like make excuses or give reasons. We're here to give context. And I do think that that is a little bit of important context that I think all three of those goalies gave their, their best performance. And what I, what I mean by this is going to be part of the discovery phase for this team is you've got a lot of guys on this team who were part of that cup team, who have been part of this organization. They are used to getting everybody's best effort every single night. You got a large portion of this forward core now that is – Fresh faces that are just coming into this for the first time. Jared Bednar's talked about it. We've got guys who are still learning their roles, still learning the, the best way we need them to contribute. They want to do more. And we understand that. They can't always be doing more. And, and we just need everyone bought in and, and learning that you're going to get everybody's best shot every single night. You are the measuring stick game for any team around the league. And so, like, I, I, I – Again, that's not an excuse. That's not. They're they're not. To your point, they're not putting the puck in the net when they need to. Mm-hmm. They need to understand. You're going to get this game every night out of goaltenders. You've got to figure out a way to solve that. Yeah, it's not only the goaltenders, but it's the defensive side, the physical side, right? I think look at the Kale McCarr injury. Was really good in, in, on defense. I think you could draw the Kale McCarr injury as an exact example of what you're mentioning i don't think kyle Poso goes as hard behind the net to chase down a kale mccarr i don't think kyle Poso tries so hard to lay uh some sort of body on a guy like kale mccarr mm-hmm. if it's not on the avalanche yep. right if they don't need to bring that uh, elevated style of game so let's get into the kale mccarr injury a little yep. bit um obviously detrimental for the team if he's missing a large amount of games i don't expect him to but mm-hmm. i do expect him to miss one or two i mean that's just who kale mccarr is mm-hmm. right i don't know if we'll ever see him play an 82 game season yeah no, I'm um, which is fine i think the style of play he, he kind of deserves a break here and there well and and dude you're you're seeing it a little bit with and small sample size but like leo carlson in anaheim that you know second overall pick they're doing some load management with him, mm-hmm. and, and again, I, not that Kale McCarr, you know, they need to, you know, load manage his his. But it was a conversation last year. It was well, well and dude, I, I I asked him about it last year, and he said no. But like, I've always just kind of gotten the sense from him that 
to your point, I don't think we'll ever see him play the two games because he's just like really in tune with his body and how he feels and how he needs to feel to be performing at the highest level. And I, he just strikes me as someone, and I'm saying this as all a positive thing. He understands like I, I I'm not good to go tonight. I, I can't go tonight. And like I, I I think we saw in the playoffs last year what it looks like when he kind of you know feels like he has to jump back into that play. He's just not himself. He's still very very good, still elite, but he's just not the Kale McCarr that everybody knows. And I, I think he understands that. He wants to be as impactful as possible. Um, no, so I'm with you. I, yeah, with his style as well, right? I don't right. think it's just him being in tune, but if you have a lower body injury and your primary weapon is your speed and your mm-hmm. mobility, you're not going to be able to be as fast and as yep. mobile. So, and, and he talks about it's a long season. you got to be right at the right time, and I think he takes that very seriously. So I just wanted to add context that yeah. it's not. A, I, I personally don't think it's a bad thing at all that he's never going to play 82. As long as it's never, you know, as long as it's not large chunks, you know, a month, two months at a time. If he's taking games a week here and there, I, I actually don't see that as a problem, especially the way this Avs group is constructed. Not to mention last year, anytime Kale McCarr would be out of the lineup, the Avalanche for some reason would figure out how to yeah. play a much, I don't, I don't want to say a better game, but they would win. They'd figure out ways to win without Kale McCarr to the point where even Kale McCarr last year was like, oh, maybe I should just stay Dude, out of the oh lineup. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> that he said that maybe he was bad luck. Dang, yeah. I forgot about that. That's so funny. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's anything too crazy to worry about. Obviously, we prefer Kale McCarr in the lineup, but a couple games here and there, why not give him a rest? It's yep. about the bigger picture. Get him 100% for playoffs, right? Yep. As close to as you can. Well, so what did you think of that that play? Because – Let's like let's dig in on this for a second. I mean, I I don't I don't think it was a dirty hit. I think it was an awkward. You know, hockey just kind of has that here and there. Awkward plays, right? Not where a player was meant to was meaning to injure another player, but whereas mm-hmm. you know the equipment gets involved, maybe an edge gets caught, or you run into the boards, right? I think, of course, have the had the boards not been there, had it been an open ice hit, yeah. He would have been fine. Yeah, right? he would have been able to. Yeah. But I think the circumstances, the positioning on the ice just made it look a lot uglier than I think it really was. Well, and to me, what, what disappointed me, I called it predatory on Twitter. And, and rewatching it a bunch, I, I don't think that Kyle Posa was trying to do that. But I do think that that is an extremely dangerous play that, like, Kyle Oposo, like, you, you, you can't do that, man. Like, you, you, you can't. Because, I mean, like, dude, you, you, you played your whole life. You know that small when you're going at that speed and you're going to come around the net. It's like being on a motorcycle, right? Going at high speed. If you catch, you know, the just smallest the, little the small little thing up. that 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 throws you off and that completely you know, changes the direction of your skates, your ability to 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 hold yourself up, control where you're going, and and that's just one where you you can't be doing that. And I I don't think it's all that unlike the Jeff Carter play from last year, also on Kale McCarr. I don't think Jeff Carter meant to catch Kale McCarr up high. I thought that needed to be one game for the league to send the message of, you've got to be in control. Look, Jeff, we know you didn't mean to do that. We don't think that it was malicious, but that's a star player who's now out for m- multiple weeks. Like, there has to be some type of, you've got to be in control of yourself. And to me, I-, I felt the same way about that. Even if the refs chose for some reason not to penalize that in real time, I thought that was something that needed to be one game, Kyle, we see you make contact. We see the extension. you got to be aware you can't make that kind of contact from the goal line out. Because, again, like you said, that's an open ice. 
who cares? That's a nice play. You pick up a loose puck and go. That distance from the boards, you know, I think Devon Taves said it after the game. They put stop signs on the back of jerseys starting at youth hockey. Th- that distance from the board at that speed, I just didn't like that because that, that could have been really bad. Mm-hmm. And what did we talk about yesterday in the media room? Players know. Watch Kyle Oposo's posture right after that. He stands up. Sure, yeah, he expected the, the penalty call. I just the, the malintent wasn't there. I think he could have definitely hit him a lot harder if he wanted to. Yeah. And you played hockey your whole life. You mm-hmm. know when you're up against a good team or when you really got to bring your best, there are small things that you try to get away with. Mm-hmm. You may think to yourself, hey, I, this may get called. This might just work out in my favor. I might get away stuff. with yeah. one here. And that's exactly what happened. Kyle Oposo got away with one. And, yeah, yeah sure, it could have been called either direction no call or you know mm-hmm. a couple minutes in the box but um see, that's like, just the way hockey unfolds sometimes I, and, and see I, I am with you with the on the ice while, while I thought it was in again in my opinion I thought it should have been a call you don't make the call that's fine that to me is is one of those plays that I do think player safety needs to step in and say Kyle we know you didn't mean to thank goodness Kale is able to come back not a serious injury that's gonna be one game because we have to set the precedent that you just can't you can't make that play at that distance from the boards. That was the part that bothered me. Um, you know, obviously I'm nowhere near to that level. But I had a play very similar like that happening once at the start of a period. The ice had just been resurfaced. Coming back, you know, wasn't quite enough for icing. And, yeah, just a small little shove, and I lost my balance. And, again, on the fresh ice, I couldn't brace myself quick enough, hit the wall real hard, hit my head real hard. And, and again, it's just like, Thankfully, Kale was fine, but like we've seen really scary stuff happen on plays like mm-hmm. that. That's my only thing. Kyle, we don't know you didn't mean to do it. You go to Biosteel Camp with Kale McCarr. Don't think you were trying to hurt him. Players got to be aware of where they're at on the ice. One yeah, game. I, I, That's my thing. And of course, you want to protect your stars too, right? I mean, totally. Kale McCarr, one of the more entertaining players in the league for anybody, not just Avs fans. So having oh. him in the game is, is in the NHL's best interest. So. Yeah. I'd say so. With that, I think the uh, Bo Byram sitting out practice yeah. yesterday was caught us all a little bit by surprise. Um, I guess what do you what do you see there? What what do you make of him just missing a practice? Is there anything to look into? I, I have no idea. I have I didn't see anything that that could have happened. Now, now you know I haven't gone back through like all of his shifts necessarily uh, in that last game, but nothing that that, that you know st- stood out in my eyes. He's the one that I think will play tonight. Jared Bednar said that he's expecting one of Kale or Bo to play tonight. Um, he's who I'm expecting to be in. I think Kale sits out a couple games or a game maybe. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of take that as he was a little banged up yesterday. Literally the words the that off. Jared Bednar used. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, looking on Twitter and even uh, just some of the more national, I guess, um, Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. They had to just use what everybody was quoting from Jared Bednar. So yeah. you saw a bunch of official tweets: Bo and Byram and Kale McCarr are out because they were banged up from last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I not necessarily like a, a maintenance day because he obviously is nursing something. But I think that was just like a take the day, you know, stay off the ice, rest up, see you on the ice tomorrow. Yeah, for Bo. I'm sure he's still there on the mental side of the game, attending now, the meetings, I, I, looking I, at film. I may have to like do an insert here if we get to morning skate and he's not on the ice. So, this I, I may have to like let whoever's editing this know, like, hey, hold on, I may have something else. Well, 
we like to gamble on this show. We're going to roll the dice. Yeah, we're going to roll one. the dice that we're that everything we're saying will be accurate in <laughs> 45 minutes. Uh, finally, on the Kale injury, that's I want I want to touch on Nathan McKinnon's 10 minute misconduct. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that was telling. I think you're seeing some frustration out of Nathan McKinnon and the Avalanche as a whole on on the I want to call it inconsistent refereeing. I mean, you're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of obvious calls go uncalled. I mean, I yeah. know I just kind of had Kyle Oposo's back, but I still think there was a potential of a call, and the refs decided let, to go let against it. Let me interrupt it. you real fast. Weren't you surprised that purely just on optics alone that that wasn't called? Just because, like, it's two players, a loud collision into the wall. Like, that, that almost draws a call every time, even to the point where people get frustrated because you watch a replay. It's like, there was no penalty there. I, I was just – I was surprised that there wasn't a call – just watching that in real time. I've been more surprised by some of the, the hooks that we're seeing. I mean, we're, yes. we're watching the replays of Nathan McKinnon. He's skating. He's buzzing by people. Then he gets hooked, and he stops, and he's starting to yell at the refs. You're seeing it bother him to the point where it's like, these calls are so obvious. How yep. are you missing them? Well, and, and so, okay, you mentioned inconsistency. Let, let me give you an example that sticks in my brain, right? So let's go back to the Pittsburgh game. Um, Nathan McKinnon gets called for slashing – on on really what I thought was had you called cross checking, I would have thought it was the 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 softest cross checking call that we'll see all season. But I you know technically by the book, by the way the rule is written, okay, yeah I guess that was that was cross checking. You're right. Um, and and so he goes to the box, really really soft call. Right as he steps out of the box, he's like a second half out of the box, Pittsburgh scores. So that's more or less a power play goal, right? And then I believe it was at the end of that same period. Again, the Avs hadn't played great, but they were still very much in the game. Nathan McKinnon dances two guys in the neutral zone. I believe it was Chris Letang that he just walked in the zone. And Rise gets by him, I mean, in real time. And again, I'm not trying to sound homerish or anything like that. I'm in the building in real time as I'm watching it. You see Chris Letang's stick come right through gets him right on the hands no call from the near ref or from the trailing ref and, and again to me up in the press box I thought it was pretty obvious and I said well you know maybe it was just a good defensive play you know get got him right on the stick in between the hands you know maybe I watched the replay and like no that blade is like flat right across Nate's hands mm-hmm. and that's just one where like I'm sure that drives Jared Bednar insane because, like, that's a potential, like, two-goal swing there. Because they score, again, essentially on the power play. Nate's not back into the play yet. He's still getting out of the box. And then you're near the end of the period, and I thought that was a pretty obvious call that goes missed. And it's like the power play for Pittsburgh on on genuinely what I thought was a weak call nets them a goal. And then a really blatant missed call, you know, you'll, you'll never know. Maybe the Avs power play obviously hasn't been good the last two games. There's no guarantee they score, but... That was at a point in the game where the abs were really looking for something to spark them. And again, I just want to reiterate, Pittsburgh scores on that power play. So who knows how that game kind of gets off, you know, what kind of start that game gets off to if those calls are made appropriately. And I'm sure that if you're the abs, again, you're never blaming stuff on refs, but like that's got to drive you up a wall if you're Jerry Bednar. Yeah, I, I have two thoughts to what you said. Yes, it drives Jared Bednar up a wall, and that's frustrating, but it drives Nathan McKinnon up a wall, yeah. and that's detrimental, right? I think him yeah. coming out pissed off and him 
trying harder to score goals. That's when he starts sending them five feet over the crossbar. That's when you're not seeing Nathan McKinnon at his best, when he's kind of trying to prove something to someone, right? I, I think he tries a mm-hmm. little bit too hard. Uh, my other thought is just looking at years past or even games past, and this is kind of a, a feeling. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. But I feel like the Avalanche always end up with more power plays than their opponent. Why? Because they're a fast team. Mm-hmm. The opponents have a hard the, the, yeah. The, the opponents have a hard time of uh, just moving their feet with them and keeping up with them. I almost feel the referees intentionally are trying to swallow their whistles a little bit more to not make that gap be even bigger than it already is. <laughs> now, I don't think that's correct. Obviously, you want the refs to do their job yeah. and do it right. But I think there's a little bit of. Uh, inappropriate game management from refs to be like, well, yeah. we don't want to make yep. it 10 penalties to two. Well, and, and what's so funny is, you know, I was having this conversation with someone where it's like, you, you would almost think it would be the opposite of like, you know, you'd think that those, you you see it in other sports. The NFL, they talk about it all the time with certain quarterbacks. NBA, talk about it all the time with certain players. You know how that, dirty those refs are. <laughs> right, dude, yeah. But that that the star players like get extra calls. The the top teams get additional mm-hmm. calls. I, I I'm with you. It does feel a little bit like there's, yeah, like a weird balancing out. And, and you know, people talk about it with Connor McDavid all the time too, where he doesn't get calls, and it's like, oh well, it's because he's Connor McDavid, and he's always gonna, if if you call everything that happens to him, you'll you know you'll be calling every shift, and it's like, okay, then make a call every shift. Like I don't know, if that's his advantage. I do think I, I hate when people say just call the rule book because that is one where it's like you'd play every game at three on three for the entire time. If you <laughs> if you truly called the way that things were written, every game would be played at three on three. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. It does seem a little bit like it's like, well, yeah, he would have drawn four on this play. So we're just not going to call him. Right. And. The Avs power play is dangerous. Next thing you know, you give them a bunch of power mm-hmm. plays. The game's out of hand, 6-1, and perhaps you're on national TV and people now, stop tuning out, right? I, I hope that this conversation isn't too all over the place, but like I, I also, the, the, the game management thing, I do think it's a thing. That's part of what the ref's job is, is to manage the game. But like, I, I don't know, if, do you want to talk about the misconduct that Nate got? Like, did you have that on your thing? Am I jumping yeah, ahead? No. Oh, okay. That's right where we're at. Um... So, Nate, the Avs don't like the non-call on McCarr. And, again, I, I totally, in real time, and, and, again, in my personal opinion, even after watching the replay, I think that should have been something, but I get that that's open to interpretation. In real time, I understand why the Avs are furious. That's Kale McCarr. That's one of your best players. That's one of the best players in the world. Now potentially out of the game. And Kyle Oposo and the Buffalo Sabres got a scoring chance out of it. You know, like, so I understand why they're pissed. And Nathan McKinnon then goes up, gets teed up, gets the two minutes, and then I don't love that they hand him a 10. That is one of those, and Jared Bednar even talked about it after. My thoughts on it would be, you know, like there's frustration out of our team because that wasn't called. It's obviously a key player for us. And you get a little frustrated and you have a few things to say. I just like the officials to have thicker skin in that spot. They know they may have missed one or decided not to call it, whatever it is. I think you've got to take a little bit of um, harsh feedback in that situation without doling out a 10. I mean, if it carries on and carries on, then that's a different story. Then that's my issue. That You have to let the Avs have that moment 
a bit. You have to understand the emotions of where they're at in the game and what just happened. Um, you know, so they, 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 they give him a 10. And what I don't like about that is I felt like after that, you saw the refs over-managing the game. Every little thing was getting called both directions. And it's like, see, you tried to, like, do this to not have an impact on the game. And, and now you're having an about you. right, yeah. and now you end up having a bigger impact on the game because you missed the call and then gave him the ten. And you know, Tim Peel is the unfortunate poster child for this. But like, you know that again, growing up playing hockey, that happens all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've had refs come up between the box. Hey, sorry, I owe you one for that one. I'll get you one back. I know that wasn't blah 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 blah. Yeah. Well, also we've also seen. Uh, you know, if somebody approaches the ref, it's like, excuse me, sir, I don't mm-hmm. think that that was a very good call. Maybe they're going to have a cordial conversation with you. They're not going to be like, get out of my face. But if you walk up to the ref and you're like, mother F this and F you and you mm-hmm. messed up this, you're a clown, then yeah, you might. And so maybe I'm wondering here. Yeah. Did you ref this growing up? we're missing Gabe Landis Scott. Oh, yes. I absolutely think so. One way or the other, regardless of what else. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do think so. But uh, again, I, I actually don't. I, I know people didn't like it. I don't have a huge issue with Nate doing I'm that fine. in that situation because you like, just got to be okay with the consequences. Well, I'm, and, I'm with it too. I'm fine. And, but my my thing is, I don't think it should have been. Th- I think he should have gotten a two. I think he should have gotten teed up. They should have sent him to the box. And no, yeah, that was our miss. We we teed him up. He can't say whatever he wants, but. You know, but you also got to know who you're dealing with. You know, I know in men's league we often get a ref that comes on the ice, and you know what to expect out of that mm-hmm. ref. You know he's going to make it about himself. You know that there's yeah. going to be terrible calls made. You have to, I mean, at the NHL, do that at, a, at an even higher level. If you're dealing with a referee that's given you problems in the past, or you know yeah, is going to TJ Luxmore, yeah, is going to be quick to throw you a ten instead of a two, then you know reel it back a little bit. But at the same time, I'm okay with showing the emotion. I'm okay with showing that passion See, and, and heart. And I, I will also say, dude, it, it it drives me nuts when I play, when I played, you know, competitively, not just beer league and stuff. And it bothers me when I see it in the NHL, the the Nathan McKinnon, Chris Letang thing. He he threw his hand up and then he played through the rest of the shift. The horn goes, the period ends, and he goes up to the ref and he's doing, you know, that he's showing him like right on my hand, and the refs just not even talking to him, just telling him to you know go to the locker room. I hate that. Mm-hmm. It's like, tell him what you saw. Why didn't you call that? Tell him that you just missed it or why that you didn't think that it was worthy of being called. And, you know, the linesman comes down, steps in between, you know, guides McKinnon to the locker room. I've always hated that. Again, even growing up playing, it's like I- I'm trying to ask, what did you see? Why did you make that call? Yep. And and they won't even, you know. I'm in power. Get out of my face. Right, right. I don't have to tell you shit. Yeah. I don't have to tell you anything. Get out of here. Get out of here. And that does really bother me because it's like I, I think that, you know, they deserve an explanation at that point. You know, even if it's a quick, he got, you, he got you on the stick. There were no hands there. Okay, now I know that you didn't see it right on the hands. Yeah, or and even a simple, I missed it, my bad. I'll get you back. Right, right. right? And, dude, I've, I've long been an advocate of I think the lead official should do media availability – Every night after games. Again, not because they owe anybody anything or not because they have to own up to stuff, but again, just like a I, – because I'm sure they had a reason for not making the Kyle Oposo call. I'm sure they did. What, what's wrong with them saying, well, this is what we saw. I didn't see the intent. It looked to me like he lost an edge. 
you know, when I look at the replay, maybe there was a little bit of contact, but in real time, that's what it looked like. And I don't think anybody would have a gripe with that. If that was the response he gave, it's like, hey, well, you know what? That's that's what he saw. I, I get watching hockey's a fast game. It moves quick. I, and, and I'll bet you on 90% of nights, nobody from the media would even ask to talk to the officials. That's what I was thinking, yeah. But just make one available. Just in case, or in situations like this where some explanation, explanation is needed. Right. I'm, I'm with it. Because. Um, but then uh, you're opening a whole can of worms because, you know, then you have to train the refs to make sure they're not saying things that they shouldn't say. Then you. But, but, but I mean, why? I guess my thing is every one else in the league has to be like that. Yeah. Coaches, sure. front office personnel, players, like they've all got to be in those situations where know what to say, what not to say. And to me, it's your lead official. So it should be like your, you know, it's never the linesman. The spokesman, sure. Right. Yeah. It's it's you know, it's it's the most tenured official from every game, whatever. And it's hey, look, you know, this is what we saw. This is why it didn't get called. And I also don't think that it would be bad if they said and you know what? Yeah, looking at the replay, it definitely looked like he he got him there. He didn't get him there. You know, that's that's a good lesson for us as officials. I, I just I've never seen the harm in that. And I don't get why they won't do it. Came in here expecting to talk avalanche. I didn't know we'd get you riled up about referee <laughs> accountability today. This is uh, this is something that I'm just like, I I I think that officials should have to should have to answer. No, I'm with it. I think or explain explain. I guess. Yeah, I think there's a way to do it, and. It can't be that hard to figure it out, so the NHL should just figure it out because mm-hmm. this this is every year. We hear this complaint every single year. Refs should uh, have to answer for themselves, and they don't. So here we are. Uh, moving on, there's a game tonight. Jesse, you already alluded to the fact that we got to yep. get out of here and get to morning skate here shortly. St. Louis Blues in town. A couple AHL call-ups I think in, are interesting. Of course, Caleb Jones slotting in for whichever defenseman might be missing tonight. But Riley Tufty's addition, I think, yep. is one that raises a little bit of eyebrows because inserting him in the lineup, not only that, you're inserting him in on that second line, right? And so you're inserting him with a purpose. You're inserting him with a plan to play, which means somebody has to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, six goals in six games in the AHL, like Jared Bednar told us yesterday, three goals in five games uh, in the preseason. And I think it goes back to what, you were talking about. I think they're just looking for a spark. He's a big body. He skates well. Obviously, he's you know he's got a little bit of a, a goal scoring touch to to his game right now. I, I think they're looking to jumpstart him a bit, uh, or jumpstart the the offense a bit. Excuse me. Um, and I I don't I don't think that whoever it ends up being. I don't know. It, it could be Tatar. It could be uh, Juren or. Could be, you know, Freddie Olofsson. I, I don't know. Uh, whoever he come, whoever comes out of the lineup, I, I, I still do think Riley Tufty is going to have to like keep that spot. Yeah. We've also seen Jared Benner. I think he's going to start him there. If it doesn't click right away, I think he'll be quick to take him off that second line. But things are working for him. Um, he, he plays the way the Avs like to play. I think he's a. Let's see. Let's let's see what we got. We clearly need a jump start on offense. Yeah, and he just attacks the net, right? And I've seen a handful of missed opportunities right around the net so far for the Avalanche. So I think he just kind of fills that void of what coaches are seeing mm-hmm. has been lacking so far. So a big body. He's proved it. 
in preseason. He's proved it in the AHL. Of course, the NHL is a step above, but I think his skill set and what he kind of brings to the table and his way of scoring goals is going to be able to translate just fine. Well, and, I, and again, that's what I like about how the Avs have handled Tufties. They kept him around for the first couple games of that road trip, and then they sent him home and sent him down because they wanted him to play, start getting integrated into this system, start feeling more comfortable. And, and like you said, I think what he's bringing is a lot of what they need right now. Absolutely. And I think there's just something about, you know, while we're talking about accountability, I think there's, and if you look at Gorilla Sports and our conversation with Tufty yesterday, he kind of alluded to this. It sounded like Jared Bednar sent him to the AHL and said, this is what I want to see from you. I want to see mm -hmm. you playing games, but I also need to see this, this, and this. He went down and checked every single one of those boxes. Yep. And Jared Bednar said, perfect, way to go. We're going to give you the glory of, of earning some NHL minutes here. Yep. Well, and dude, we, we've talked about it all the time. Like, I, I think there's a large portion of the Avs fan base that kind of really started following the team in the mid-2010s when their development process was pick high and put them right in the NHL. Um, and so I think that's maybe what still some people are like in their brains. That's the way the process should go, but it's not. And, and really it's, we want players to fill roles. And, you know, there's times where you see people like, why aren't they playing Oscar Olauson in this role? It's like, cause that's not the role that he'll play in the NHL. And they want to see how can you, how do you fill this role with the Eagles in a league that is still a very good league but it's not to the NHL level. And to your point, they said, hey, we want to go see you do this because we think that would translate to what we need in the NHL level. And he's done it. And Jerry Bednar said yesterday that it's about 60-40 in terms of he's played really well and deserves a call-up, and we need a jump start on offense. So, like, he's done his part. Now there's a, a, a need because he did his part. It's easy to fill the need. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. We'll see how he how he I guess slots in and kind of continues to perform in that role because mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting thought, right? It's not the typical scenario where you see a top line AHLer come in and he's on the fourth line, mm -hmm. right? So I I think that's really interesting to keep an eye on him playing that exact same role almost. Right, and, and now again, if if he gets into the game and it's not going well, you know, St. Louis is a you know a, a physical team. If it's not going well, I think he'll shuffle them down and limit those minutes pretty quick. But, yeah, it's, hey, you filled the role that we needed you to fill. Now let's see if you can fill it here, and we'll just see. Yeah, and we heard all preseason long about how great the depth of this team is, right? Well, this is the luxury of having that mm -hmm. depth. Somebody's not performing, sit them for a little bit, bring in yep. somebody who is performing. Yep. Um, Caleb Jones, anything you're expecting to see out of him, anything you're excited to see out of him in his first game as an avalanche tonight? Um, no, I think they've got him cast really well. You know, like I think in Chicago last year, he was maybe being, not maybe, he was definitely being overextended. Um, you know, being asked to play bigger minutes, I think the Avs are going to be able to not shelter him necessarily, but play him, again, similar thing, play him in the role they need him in. Uh, you know, you're going to give probably Josh Manson a little bit of an elevated role probably back with Sam Gerrard they have always played well together because they're such different types of players they've always really kind of played well off of each other um and so really I think you're just gonna ask Caleb Jones kill penalties be smart in your own end and I, I think he's more than capable of doing that right while he's potentially slotting in for Caleb McCarr nobody's expecting him to be Caleb no, McCarr no, no, yeah even though they have similar skill sets there's still not that expectation on him just come mm -hmm. in make yourself unnoticeable yep yeah 
yeah, if, if you and I end the game tonight, like, I didn't notice Caleb Jones. Successful night. Right. All good. Exactly. Uh, last big conversation I wanted to get into before we wrap it up here, Jesse, is the goaltending. Uh, you brought up earlier in the show, we expect it to be not Alexander Georgiev was your, <laughs> was your exact wording. Um, but yeah, Prozvatov sounds like he's going to get his first look tonight. At least that's what we're expecting. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, to me, I guess what I read into this, of course, there's the people out there saying, why not call up Ananen, right? Why not give him the minutes there? Why not have maybe who you would consider a little bit better of a goaltender taking over that role? But at the same time, there's plenty of logic behind why yeah. they're not doing that. Well, I think, one, you got to figure out, is he a better goaltender? And maybe he is. You know, I, I know the organization is very high on Yusuf Ananen. I would say so, um, but my opinion but, is worth But But I guess my, my point is we haven't seen Prosvetov play a game for the Avs yet. We know he wasn't very good last year in Arizona. We haven't seen him play a game here with the Avs. To me, it's let's get him in a game. You know, get, get him in a game, see what he does, and then you can kind of start to make that assessment. It's also maybe going to tell you what you have to do going forward. I don't think Pavel Francouz is coming back this year. You know, I'm not – nobody has told me that explicitly. But just conversations I've had, that that's the sense I get, JJ, is that – that they are not planning on him being back this year. So I think you have to see what you've got in Prosvetov because he requires waivers and uses Sanon and doesn't. That That's the ultimate trump card. No matter what people think about how, how much better is this guy than this guy, uses Sanon and doesn't require waivers. He's still a developing goaltender. You need him playing games. You want uses Sanon. He, re, he really wasn't even the starter last year for the Eagles. It was Johansson. Jonas Johansson. Johansson. Anon played well. He, he he maybe played better at times. They split starts, but like he wasn't really starting. You want him to be the guy in Loveland. Let him continue to get that. He has he's eligible for waivers next year. Have that conversation of does he need to be with the NHL club then? For this year, it, it, you really call him up when you want to see what he you know how he's looking. If you're maybe going on another long road trip, I think they have like a five game East Coast swing in January or February. Bring him up for that. Get him in a game. Whatever. Um, but, but really for me, I think it's because the abs are high on him is why they've got him down at the Eagles, getting starts, playing games. You're fine. If Ivan Prosvetov plays one out of every seven, you got to see what you've gotten him. Cause if he's good, if, if he's passable for a backup, cool. We got our problem solved. Ride. Yeah. You, Cause I, I just don't think that they, you're going to see them make use of Sandin in the number two in, in, in Denver. Like he's not going to be the number two at the abs this year. And that's because they want him playing games. That is not a knock on his ability. They want him starting more than 20 games. They've got to see what they've got in him. I think you hit it on the head right there. But what I kind of read into that is that this is a bit experimental. This is yeah. a bit, uh, you know, the coaching staff looking at the situation and saying, it's more important for us to give Alexander Georgiev a little bit of a break here, a little bit of mm -hmm. a rest. If we lose... Shoot, we lost. Yeah, we're not going to worry about it when we're heading into the playoffs. We're not going to look back at this loss in October. That's assuming they lose. So, right, right, right. I guess that being said, I'm not too heavy well, on the Avs money line tonight. And right? it's a home game. You get last change. You, you can protect them a little. Right. Bit. You're just you're putting Prosvetov in a better situation. You know, D zone starts. In, you know, unless it's an icing or you know a, a, a long dump in and cover. You can get the guys out there that you want. Like it's. Playing a goaltender, a new goaltender at home is always a little bit easier. Sure. Just I'm staying away from 
taking the action on the Avs winning tonight because there's that. Not chance. even the money line, huh? Not even you the money line. You don't think they bounce back at all? Well, I think that I think they do. Well, but I, I think there's that question mark in Brozvatov that you don't necessarily want to put your money where your mouth is. But I think where you do, I like where you said Nathan McKinnon is going to come out and have a good night. I think you hammer some Nathan McKinnon props. I mean, right now, the sports book app I'm looking at, Nathan McKinnon's over on shots tonight is five and a half, which is Yeesh, huge. that's huge. That's a huge number. But at a plus one ten, if he hits the over, I could see him shooting eight times. Yeah, um, easy peasy. No, dude, I, I'm with you. Trying to trying to break through, I think he is going to be hammering the puck on that. It's a great call. Right. So positive money. Not too confident in in the goaltending situation, but hey, we're here to see what he's got. We're here to to uh, see if he has what it takes, and if he does have what it takes, it puts you in such a more comfortable position and kind of just relieves he, a huge pressure off the shoulders. He, he's got to lead the charge on the ice in terms of do as I do. He's not a do-as-I-say kind of person. He, he's he got to lead the charge there, and then I do think you need a big night from a guy like Ryan Johansson. Even if he's not like on the score sheet in the goal column, like I think you need good nights out of those guys. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how all that plays out and uh, how the Avalanche do Let's tonight go. against St. Louis. 7.30. We so almost got a and 7 it's an, And it's a national game, so I'm expecting closer to 7.50, to be honest. Um, I do want to touch on one last thing. Paul Stasny retiring. Your favorite memory of Paul Stasny? Uh, it's game one overtime winner against the Wild. Easy. All right. Well, uh, I guess he had he had the tying goal and the game winner. So it was his game one 2014. Uh, it was the first Patrick Waugh year. Right. And that was his last year with mm-hmm. the team? Right. I was going to say, my f- uh, he, he left the year I started covering the team. So. Mm. Uh, my first year was his first year gone. So my me- best memory of Paul Stasny actually comes at a downtown bar. I think it was Milan Hayduk's final game. So the entire team showed up at a bar. And uh, I was one of the few that snuck into where the Avalanche were hanging. There I still go. wasn't a media member yet. So I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so <laughs> cool. Paul Stasny buys a shot for the entire bar. So Sorry. my favorite moment of Paul Stasny, he bought me a shot, lemon there drop. There you go. Lemon drop. Nice. All right. Nice easy shot to take. Yep, I'm always down for a lemon drop. Yeah, yeah, I don't no, think I've had one since. Uh, th- th- those were definitely uh, two of the crazier moments I've ever seen at Pepsi Center slash Ball Arena. Was Paul Stasny uh, tying the game late and then winning in overtime? Heartbreaking when he left because he just seemed like a guy that was just so Denver through and through. Well, and it was also uh, like they they had, it seemed like here we go. Nathan McKinnon helps bring this team back to relevance. With McKinnon and Stasny and Duchesne and O'Reilly, like this is about to be the best team up the middle, like you know whatever. And it felt like they were on this upswing. He leaves, they bring in Jerome McGinley, and things just never really clicked. But it all worked out for the best. Sure did. Sure did. Here yeah. we are, still talking about a contender. So, uh, yeah, time for us to roll to Morning Skate, Jetsy. Good episode here, and uh, I'm sure we'll have some more updates from Morning Skate. Thanks to everybody for hanging out with us here Always. on this episode. We'll be back. As soon as we can. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I would maybe like to do one before, because I'm going to Vegas on Friday. So, I don't know. We definitely want to start being more consistent. I think we have a meeting with Yarun about it uh, here coming up soon. Yarun, our guy. So, yeah, a lot of people here in the background making this work. So, we're still trying to iron some things out and, and bring you a more consistent show here. So, thanks again for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll see what happens tonight against St. Louis Blues.